straight bout it I'm not pouting Break through walls and climb it mountains If you want it, scream it loud What's up superstars? Welcome to the Brain Tainment Podcast. Listen, if you're someone who wants to build more confidence within yourself, your ability to perform, to execute, to build skills, or to just feel better, or if you're someone who wants to architect a new empowering identity, this is the platform for you. Listen, we have all kinds of guests on this program from the psychology space, neuroscience, sports, as well as cultural icons and influences where we get to pick apart their story and learn a bit more about them. So be sure to subscribe. I hope you get value from this show. If you do, if you do enjoy it, please, please, please do me a favor. Put it on your socials, share it with friends and families who you think this message could help or they would enjoy. And be sure to share the love and tag me on those platforms. We'd love to get some feedback. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. What's up, guys? Today I chat with Sarah Davidson. You may know her as Spoonful of Sarah on Instagram. She is an absolute superstar. I honestly think this could be my favorite episode that I have ever done on the Brain Tamen show. I really hope you guys get as much value as I did. It's fun. It's interesting. It's funny. We have a lot of laughs, but we also touch on some really important ideas. We talk about self-esteem. We talk about how to find joy, how to identify what actually makes you happy and what the traps are when you are constantly pursuing quote unquote achieving success. So just a really important conversation. Like I said, we touch on so many different important ideas and have tons of fun. This is 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is, of absolute joy, uh, certainly for me, and I hope it is for you guys too. So massive shout out to Sarah for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And without further ado, enjoy this episode. Hey, what's up, legends? Welcome back to another episode of the Brain Tainment Show. Today, uh, we're having fun. It's going to be a really good episode. I'm super excited. I'm chatting with Sarah Davidson creator of Seize the Yay, an epic podcast um, and, a, and a really good community she's built, uh, which I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that may be aware of the stuff that she does. She's an author as well of Seize the Yay, which is a great book. She's an entrepreneur and someone who just brings a lot of joy and enthusiasm and really great perspectives to the world. And it's pretty clear that enjoying life is a priority for her, but also helping other people do the same. And I like to talk about that a lot on this platform, having fun, having interesting conversations, learning, uh, but making that process enjoyable as much as possible too. So uh, she's a perfect candidate to bring on and, and help champion that course. And really just makes the, the process of learning, um, like I said, more fun and more engaging. So looking forward to chatting with you, Sarah. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me and for that wonderful introduction. It always sounds so much better when someone else introduces you. It's like, oh, wow, who's that fancy person? <laughs> <laughs> well, I could easily keep going. I have a tendency to ramble too. So I feel like I could go for a couple of minutes straight, just highlighting you know, some of the work that you've been able to do. But that's the, that's the short version. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, so maybe just to start uh, to provide some context for, for any folks tuning in that, that don't know who you are, Seize the Yay, it sounds cool, um, but what's it all about? How did this? How did that come about? I guess the name and, and what you're trying to do, and then we'll dive into some other stuff. Sure. So to begin with, it started as, it's actually a very long process. You mentioned that's the short version. I'm not very good at short versions, but I'll <laughs> give it a go. So it started way back at the very beginning. Uh, I 
have become really, really fascinated by sliding doors moments in our life and kind of the way that you'll you'll come to a fork in the road and but for one small decision or person or sentence that you hear or aha moment, your life could be completely different. So that the first big one in my life was uh, I was actually born into an orphanage in South Korea and uh, adopted here when I was five months old. So don't have any memories, no traumatic kind of experience, but a very, very keen sense of the fact that it could have been very different. You know, people, we are so lucky to grow up in the best country in the world, but I literally could have, you know, could have been different for me. So I've always had really intense sense of appreciation for the opportunities we have and therefore have been over-enthusiastically needing to (laughs) seize every opportunity, but also a very early sense of the fact that what makes you different is actually what makes you wonderful. And I think we spend a lot of our younger years like trying to fit in and be the same, but when you're a fully blown Asian and you have super white country bumpkin Caucasian parents, you've just got to embrace what makes you different (laughs) and learn to to kind of embrace that part of your identity. So all through school and uh, my younger years, I've always been really equally nerdy and arty farty. And I kind of kept both of those alive, but I think there comes a point in your life where you stop making decisions based on what suits you and what you like and you start letting societal norms and success and busy and titles and prestige come into the picture. So I sort of ended up starting a legal career more by a process of elimination and more based on what I thought I should do Mm. uh, than than anything. And I, I definitely don't regret it. It was the best start to my career ever. But the CZA concept started out of that idea that you can get very bogged down in a productivity hamster wheel and you can be on autopilot making decisions based on nothing to do with who you are just to sort of tick boxes or satisfy someone else's sort of standards Mm. and the thing that's most fascinating to me now is that I was never unhappy there I was actually not one of those corporates who left because I was you know hating the hours or totally burnt out I was actually getting off on how fancy it was to wear a suit and be, you know, like living the suit's dream, (laughs) wheeling and wheeling and like, you know, in this big high rise top level floor and traveling. And, you know, it was, it did satisfy a big part of my personality, but now I realize you won't make a change unless you're actively unhappy. So if you're just kind of like really grateful, firstly, I went through uni and the GFC, I was so grateful to have a job at all. But if you're also a little bit blinded by success, you often won't make a change ever and you'll keep seizing the day by just grabbing any opportunity and never stopping to ask, does it make me happy? So, but for the second big sliding doors moment in my life, I never would have left. I would have been there 10, 20 years down the track and then one day woke up and thought, oh my God, where is joy? What have I, you know, how have I lost touch with that side of myself? And of all places, The sliding doors moment happened in Rwanda in Africa. So my now husband, I know, so random. (laughs) (laughs) He has a creative agency and had supported a a big charity that, um, I don't know if you know, YGAP that does the Polish Man campaign. You see the Hemsworth with their nail painted. So they support a school in Rwanda and we got to go on a sponsor's trip. And the first thing I, uh, the first thing that happened there was, I thought I'd go and think, gosh, how lucky are we to live in this country and to not suffer with poverty and and to not struggle with amenities and running water. What I actually left with was I'd seen more pure happiness there on kids playing with a leaf for five hours or adults breaking into song spontaneously, but they didn't have success and they didn't have what I thought was success. And so I was like, how are you happy if you're not like ticking career goals? Like, what is that happiness thing? So that planted a seed of like, Ooh, I'm missing a picture, a piece of the picture. 
And the second thing I came back with was a gut parasite. First five kilos I lost was like a great way to lose pounds, you know, (laughs) parasite. It's kind of nice for the waistline. Next 10 kilos were a disaster, broke down, collapsed at work, got adrenal fatigue, was banned from coffee and discovered matcha maiden uh, or discovered matcha powder, which led to our first business matcha maiden. And it was only by contrast of trying this random hobby and seeing that my creative side was actually my much more dominant side and then feeling the feeling of when your passions and skills actually line up, that by contrast, suddenly what I thought was happiness was just complacency. It was just ticking the boxes, climbing this ladder and not even not realizing that I didn't care about the ladder. I didn't want to be my bosses and I'd never thought, oh, maybe that's a problem. Like, why am I on this conveyor belt when I don't even want to get to the end? So slowly by moving, you know, I quit my job sort of six months later when we got into Urban Outfitters in the US, that was five years ago. And slowly, slowly by unlearning all of one one career that I'd sort of imposed on myself and relearning how to get back in touch with what makes you joyful, I realized we should stop seizing the day and start seizing the yay. Oh, wow. Mic drop. I bloody love that. That is... um... There is, that is a fantastic little uh, narrative there. I feel like there's so much to unpack. Um, I actually didn't know that part of your story in Rwanda. It's really interesting. So Not really? about the parasite. Yeah. yeah. The, the parasite, not so much. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> but <laughs> the funny. revelations like, and the insights, fantastic. <laughs> totally. But I always feel like it's the shittier chapters of your life where at the time it's awful and you don't understand why mm. it's happening to you. And you're like, why me? And what could this possibly be teaching me? But they're the one it's only the tougher chapters where those big revelations come out of, because you do get, you hit rock bottom and you get to choose what you put back in yeah, when things absolutely. are going, you know, smoothly. And according to plan, you don't learn anything. I agree aggressively. Sarah, what I love about your approach and perfect example, what you've just outlined there is it seems like you've gotten pretty good at, I guess what I'm taking from you and correct me if I'm wrong here is getting good at prioritizing what is important. That's, you know, feeling good. It's fulfillment, happiness, whatever kind of terminology you want to use there. And it's not so much about judging what is or is not right um, for certain people. Everyone's going to have their own strategy. You mentioned the corporate career there. Um, someone else might have another approach and maybe for different periods of your life, that is the right thing to do because there's, you know, that dopamine circuitry is just going, going off in the, you know, the hunt and the pursuit. And that is intrinsically rewarding itself, but obviously has its downfalls too. But I think the key is just knowing what that North star is, which, you know, for me is it's fulfillment. It's feeling good. Um, and a, a lot of the stuff that you do, what I get from it anyway is that that is that is the goal, and then you can kind of digress into conversations around what different <laughs> strategies are, um, and exploring those different approaches. So, is that a fair sort of assessment and, and a good takeaway for folks tuning in to to go? Okay, rather it's not about judging, you know, what we do every day, but maybe just stop to reflect: Are my decisions adding up to fucking feeling good, or are they adding up to please other people? Are they adding up to maybe, you know, hide old wounds. Um, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. I think it's that idea of a North Star is so important because I think for many of us in the earlier stages of our career, particularly when you are young and impressionable, but also you often graduate school only thinking there are like five jobs that exist and not understanding that there are so many gray areas in between, particularly in this day and age where you can do literally whatever you want and no one's going to tell you, no, you should only do nursing or teaching. You know, we live in the most exciting time to be alive. 
I think the North Star does often start as success and money and progress, which are not bad things and they're very important parts of life. But if they're your only North Star, that you can end up sort of 50 years down the path of a career where you've got all these fancy things around you and you've, you know, continued to surpass and and go past all your goals and achieve them and knock them over, but no fulfillment, no happy memories and no day-to-day joy. And while of course work is important and money is important because it allows choices, you're not meant to just work and die. Even if you love your job, you're still just not meant to work and die. It's not the point. And no one has gotten to their deathbed and said, I wish I worked more and I wish I had less fun. It's just... (laughs) Not what anyone has ever reflected on their life and said. So I think particularly because we are such a fast-paced society now, it is so easy to get swept up in a current and end up 10, 20 years down that pathway that you'd never chose, you don't even like, but you've actually not even stopped to ask yourself if you like it or not because so many other factors blur your decision-making. And I think if you come back to that North Star being not the macro level of like, what is my title? What are, you know, what are my big goals looking like? But the micro of, do I wake up every day and do I feel good in what I'm doing? Yeah. Some days will be crap, even in the best job in the world. But overall, yeah. do I feel like I'm applying myself in a way that I will be proud at the end of my life? Mm. Then, you know, if you're not doing that, you're wasting like this very, very precious life. But something yeah. else that you said that is definitely you mentioned that like at different times in your life, it'll also look different. I think that's another really important thing. Yep. There's no judgment of anyone else's career. In fact, my podcast is all about showing that the way people feel joy is so different. There's like people who yes. love corporate. There's people who love, you know, some people's ambition is to just do one job well and not go upwards and forwards all the time. Whereas then there's like, you know, we've had like SAS commanders, Gary Vee, Miranda Kerr, like zookeepers, like so many different careers, but even in your own life, what suited me then, corporate was the best place for me to start. At that time in my life, that's what I needed. And then Matrimaiden was the next chapter because that's what I needed. And as you grow, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You're going to need different jobs. We're expected to have, I think it's nine to 12 careers in our lifetime now. Yeah. So you're, you're not ever making a forever decision. You're meant to be evolving all the time. And what your yay looks like now, you know, your why might stay the same, but your how is meant to change. Yeah, I love that. I think having that clarity is step one, knowing, okay, being able to just simply audit, again, from not from a place of judgment, just audit, am I actually doing things and making decisions and in a career with a friend circle, like what these areas or arenas of life, just auditing those different areas and asking, like, are they making me happy? And, you know, having the, the psychological flexibility to be able to pivot if you need to, you know, whether it is a career change or maybe a friend circle, it's not about culling, but maybe just introducing interesting people into your world that fill your cup more. I think that's a powerful skill to have. And like, I know for me, just to digress a little bit, you know, I've certainly been guilty of like chasing after titles and recognition and, and things and that, uh, things of that nature. And f- for a large period of time, the work itself was in- enjoyable, but there was a, there was a period of time where it was far more about the title and the status and the prestige than it was the fulfillment. And, you know, if I actually take away, you know, like the angst of wanting to please other people and things like that and ask myself, what do I really want? It's like, you know, just going back to the kids in real wonder, for example, the idea of like feeling neurologically like a deep sense of pleasure, staring at a fucking leaf. I want that life. Like I want to be able to, 
do that rather than, you know, spend three, four weeks grinding, feeling miserable just for one momentary sort of fleeting experience of joy and only for that to pass and then sort of start that race again. Um, so I guess for you then, Sarah, in terms of like play and, uh, you know, prioritizing fulfillment and feeling good, are there certain things that you personally fall back on um, that really light you up? Like whether it's some sort of activity or time of friends, do you have like a, a go-to list of things that you love to do? Absolutely. But, you know, surprisingly, it's actually taken a really long time to compile that list. And you would think that the most straightforward answer in the world is, what do you like? What do you like doing? And there was a time in my life where for multiple years, I don't think I would have had an answer because I didn't have hobbies. I didn't have any identity outside of just working, which did satisfy some parts of my brain. But as you mentioned, like joy is such a big part. And just to digress before I actually explain sort of how I ended up figuring out that I needed to compile a list of these, you know, activities that we call play. It's really interesting that in this day and age, we all have this conception that you have to be passionate about your job. And some of us are incredibly lucky that we actually get that. And it's more and more common than it ever has been, but never before in any other generation have you needed to be passionate and fully immersed and stimulated all the time. It's called work for a reason. Right. People have worked in history, not because they're passionate about farming or agriculture or whatever. It's because they have to pay bills and survive. Right. So there's an element of work that if you're not super passionate about your job, maybe that's okay. Some people's yay or some people's joy is necessarily outside of work. I know artists who, as soon as you give them a brief and a budget and a deadline, it ruins the joy and they don't want to do it as a business. It has to be for pure pleasure. So if anyone listening out there, you know, is feeling like, you know, I'm not, you do an audit and you're not, you know, loving your job, maybe that's okay. Maybe you can find your joy somewhere else because if you're getting a joyful experience on the weekends, that filters over through your week. It's more about just, are you getting it somewhere in your life? Are you making some time for something? I love that. And I, I found that once I did find a job I do like, that I lost that whole idea of hobbies and extracurricular activities because I was joyful at work. But you're actually not very good at what you do if you don't take breaks from it, even if you love it. And so I suddenly had to do a bit of a research project on myself and be like, what do I like that has no productive outcome? which is really hard for me because I like productivity. That's one of the things I enjoy, but then I try and win at everything. Like I try, I do a hobby and then I'm like, I need to be the best at this thing. How can I make it a career or a business idea? Same. So, right. And it's like, it's actually quite destructive to you. <laughs> resting. I started watching, I started watching Queen's Gambit and then got into chess and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can beat the Russians in chess. <laughs> Yeah, I like I turn everything into like a pursuit. So I've had to kind of create a list of activities that I can't do that with that are purely for the leisure or the pleasure of doing and you can't win it. So you can't win at reading true crime books, right? Like you can't win unless you want to go off and be a serial killer, which is not something I want to do. But true crime, crime fiction, anything that isn't related to wellness or joy or self-development I found that I would you know I think that I was resting by going and taking the dog for a walk but I'd be listening to like a finance podcast or a growth hacking podcast or even meditating is still like a task that's got an aim so I've had to list things that make me forget what time it is and make me forget the to-do list so mm. all crime I love war history which is again so random but in this like self-exploration 
what do I find fascinating that's not related to me? I, I discovered that. I love gardening because I suck and I like that I don't care that I'm, I'm bad at it and you can't have your devices when you're outside and you're getting your hands dirty. We're doing a bit of home renovation and I love like the tact, you know, tactile painting all day or mm. like I've been working with the tilers and just learning all about what they do. And, <laughs> do you, you have know, a I favourite think... war crime movie just to uh, dive into a little bit? The tough one, so I really like I I get around those. Do you really? Docos, yeah, probably not as like aggressively as you do. Like, you seem, your eyes were okay. just like jumping through the screen when you were talking about it. <laughs> uh, but I definitely enjoyed them. So, which is weird, right? Because this is the thing: I am so yay and humanity and kindness and joy. So it's so strange that my relaxation is yeah. murder and and like <laughs> war crimes and genocide and like yeah. serial killers. But exactly maybe that's same. why because it's so separate. So uh, a couple of my favourites, I love Black Hawk Down. I feel like that's mm. a movie I could watch over and over again. The Kingdom is fascinating. Um, is that the Korean one? Just, no, The Kingdom is uh, the Saudi Arabian one with Jamie Foxx. Saudi Arabia. Oh, oh, the mo- oh, of course, epic movie. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, what else do I love? I just love anything in those kind of like big, bite, you know, drama reenactments of certain certain times um docos i can't even really think of any but we did a lot of research when we went to rwanda on the genocide which was fascinating culturally to understand you know that kind of dynamic in and even just look at african history and how there is so much conflict but there have been so many occupations and like i find that kind of stuff really really fascinating like geopolitics yeah um and then reading true books about the holocaust i find really interesting um, again, like not super uplifting, but just really fascinating the resilience of the human spirit, I think. And it's like you're, you're just following your curiosity uh, and what's going to pique your interest, again, not from a place of judgment. And I think that's so important. Like it's easy to look at, um, you know, someone like yourself, you've been able to carve out this fantastic career. Of course, you've got the business um, that you do with the matcha, um, matcha green tea. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to get my hands on some. Uh, we'll talk off air. <laughs> uh, so you've obviously got, you've carved out this great business. You've got the podcast, you're interviewing and connecting with so many interesting people. You've got this platform that you've built. It's easy to look at that and go, I want that or I want a version of that and chase after it. And I think like we've kind of alluded to, there's a time and a place for that, that in terms of like pursuit. But it's like, what else can you do on route to that? That's going to fucking light you up and make you feel good. Um, mm. And I reckon, you know, it might not be war crime for all <laughs> for everyone, <laughs> but being able to just know what it is that you are interested in, I think it's really important. So if you find yourself in a funk or if you feel like you're grinding too much and you're losing the joy of the pursuit, it's like, okay, maybe just take a minute. Um, like for me, for example, it's golf and um, going down oh. the rabbit hole of hip hop music. Like I could watch 17 yeah. hours straight of like, who really killed Tupac and Biggie Smalls? <laughs> so like, that's oh my, my god, jam. same fascinating. I could go down the rabbit hole so deeply, like I could, um, like it could turn really bad. <laughs> oh well, that's yeah. So my rabbit hole, the way I link into that is because of the murder mystery ah, yes, of element of that. But same, go into a totally deep tangent on Wikipedia and like end up like balls deep in some like investigative, you know, journalistic yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. But I think the big thing that, like you mentioned, is don't question it. Like yes. it, I used to actually stop myself reading crime fiction and stuff because I was like, is it bad to surround yourself with negative 
thoughts like that. But so much of my life is positivity focused that actually it's okay if it if it totally disconnects your brain and you're interested in it, don't double guess it. If you're lucky enough to have found something that you truly enjoy that doesn't achieve something, just yep. do it. Just carve out the time because you come out the other end and you're like a new person. It's like you've yep. gone on a holiday. This is huge. And I really hope people get this. And I hope people are smiling when they're sort of driving and listening to our conversation, hopefully. It's so fucking powerful because like if you're just going, 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 it's almost, it's just not sustainable either. It's almost as like an interesting byproduct by prioritizing the yay as you would use it, right? Like by prioritizing things that are actually going to make you feel good and bring some level of joy or pique your interest. It just like, it gives you that um, almost like a renewed sense of energy to dive back in. You touched on it earlier about you're not as good sometimes if you're just constantly doing your work or career or whatever that is that you're trying to build. Being able to take the time out to rejuvenate, to bring joy into your nervous system and, and whatever, uh, like it just allows you as a byproduct to then dive back into your pursuits and do better, have a new perspective, like see things differently, be more creative. So I think that's really cool. And yeah, whatever it is, that might vary. I'd love to, um, you know, I feel like I'd love to just um, throw a poll out there somehow and find <laughs> what people are like interested in because it's always fun finding out what that is for people. Um, but to that point of like, you know, you used to do a lot of work in the positivity space. So do I, like I'm now starting this chapter. We're talking off air about my travel company ending, um, coming out of career in this space, um, around self-improvement. I do a lot of stuff around identity and, and self-esteem confidence, but it's like, I could talk for hours on, a, on end and have some really interesting thoughts and ideas and, and feel almost like aggressively passionate about helping people, um, I guess direct and architect the new self narrative, and that's really important. But at the same time, and and I feel really authentic with the way I do that. At the same time, you know, we're talking. I was just saying, I love hip hop. If you look at the subject matter of most of those songs, it's not exactly in alignment with, you know, <laughs> like being positive yeah. and living a wholesome life. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not wholesome. Right. Smacking right. my bitch up is not wholesome. <laughs> exactly, but I'll be bopping my head to it, like cranking the tunes yeah. up. So. <laughs> But then I feel good. Like I feel, I feel this deep sense of energy and like, I don't know. And I think that's really, really important. Totally, totally. And I think like you've mentioned quite a few times about like neural pathways in the brain and brain chemistry and dopamine mm. and serotonin. The most important data points that you have for figuring out what your best life is going to look like is your own reaction. And with there's so much noise in this day and age and just constant bombardment of information about what other people enjoy and what makes them happy and what their life looks like. And that's great for inspiration and to take kind of like, you know, ideas from, but I think we spend too much time just applying like stock standard copy and pasting other people's formula for life yes. on us. And then being like, wait, why isn't that working? And above all, the one thing I would say to people is to live your best life all you have to do is listen to what your body responds to well and your brain and what it doesn't and then act accordingly. Like it's not as hard as you think it is. We just make it hard because we let in information that's actually not relevant to the decision whatsoever. And everything you've ever done, your, I feel like your life is like a, a jigsaw puzzle. Every acti activity you've ever done has either helped you get more jigsaw puzzle pieces or get rid of old ones that aren't working. And no one else's pieces will fit your puzzle and no one else's information is relevant to yours. And the more you focus back on, you know, 
did that song make me so happy that my facial expression changed? Like you saw my eyes when I started talking about war history. It's the weirdest thing ever, but I've got that information now. Why would I not use it? Oh, that um, <laughs> I can't tell you how like how much I really resonate with what you're sharing there. Like that idea of, um, you know, what, what I've spoken about on the show, I think I might've done an episode entirely around this idea of like, your job is to, is to like fall in love with learning and follow your, I guess, the self-improvement process from a place of curiosity, not from desperation is the way I kind mm. of summarize it, right? And so your job is to just be curious, learn from different people, books, podcasts, love it, right? And I'm constantly learning. However, what I've tried to get good at and what I think you're alluding to there is, man, like build your own filter, and, and filter through what works, what doesn't. Because if you're like one person tells you to wake up at 5 a.m. Another person tells you to wake up at 12 p.m. because you've got to prioritize sleep. It's like, what the fuck do I do? Like, I mean, that's just a coy example. But the, the key takeaway is, like you said, yeah, listen to what's your body telling you? Like what, what lights you up? And that is really, really powerful for people, particularly in today's <laughs> age with like a flood of information. And it's not about, again, I love learning and I encourage people to continually go down um you know learning as much as they can but you have to be able to filter it through what's going to make you feel good totally and the other thing is like I have a lot of friends who are sort of lamenting that they they don't know what their you know rap music or crime podcast is or what you know whatever it is they don't know what that joyful activity is that gives them flow where they just forget everything else and it excludes the world and it's a bit of escapism but they don't go and do new activities and I, I sort of am like, God, you're not going to figure it out unless you try new stuff. Like I know it's really cliche, but that whole eat, pray, love idea of going to pottery classes and learning to paint and that's how people figure out what they like. They try stuff. They constantly try new things and it's okay to try a class, hate it and never do it again. That's fine. Like no one's going to get angry at you. You've just figured out a new jigsaw puzzle piece that, okay, painting's not my jam. Don't love it or pottery is not my jam. Like it's meant to be really relaxing. I hated pottery because I'm such a perfectionist and like I could never not make my plate wonky and it just <laughs> pissed me off. And so it wasn't relaxing for me, but other people yeah. find it really therapeutic. And, you know, we have a whole section on the CZA podcast that's called Play TA where people have to identify something they like that's not productive towards their vocation. And the answers are never the same. They don't overlap at all. They're so bloody weird. But people just, once they own it, they're like, I'm actually okay with the fact that I like technical cave diving, you know, in spaces that have water that looks like coffee and that are like one millimeter wide. And, you know, that's a nightmare to me, but someone who loves it, go for it. Yeah, that's huge. The, the structure of your podcast is really cool. So the, you've got that segment now. I know you get some guests on and you you deconstruct like what they do for play, what makes them, I guess, more unique outside of their title, which I thought was a really cool um, idea to sort of get to know the human. Um, I know some guests you had on recently, they were talking about their love for like gaming, but they were like this, like, yeah. <laughs> this like esteemed doctor, um, which obviously makes sense. They're a fucking human being at the end of the day, but it's funny how, you know, um, we only see, we, we see the title and we, and we lose sight of like, there are, at the end of the day, there's just a human just like us. And I think that's really important to, to, I guess, bring back that sense of relatability. So I love that. Um, so I guess just to wrap things up, because I want to be respectful of, of your time here, just on the podcast, have you had uh, maybe one or two guests 
on or one or two insights or learnings or kind of moments, I suppose, that stand out for you um, since you've been hosting? Goodness me. What a question. I think first, the first one is what we've spoken about already, that every single person's unique combination of what they're good at, what they love as a job, and then what they love just for fun is so different. You could not have had more strange and unusual and unique combinations of life, like right from the person who wakes up when they're five and wants to be a doctor and becomes a doctor and loves every second of it to someone who's had 55 different careers that don't make sense when you look at them objectively, everyone's combination of a great life is different. And that's given me a lot more permission to not try and over-manufacture the process and just let it all unravel as I want it to unravel and as I figure out my pieces. So that's one. And together with the fact that every super successful person like the adjunct professor at Georgetown who's working on immunology and curing viruses around the world and working on corona and all that stuff, the fact that she has gaming, like everyone has a weird thing that you're like, oh, what? That's so unpredictable. But they've all found that thing and that's their outlet. And I think the second thing is something you mentioned as well before, and we haven't spoken about it a lot, but it's a major part of CCA, is that no matter how not successful, because I'm trying to sort of disconnect that word from joy, but no matter how, how much closer you get towards your own fulfillment, I think self-doubt is something that doesn't leave most of us. And that's, again, something that you hear the title, you see the achievements, you see the LinkedIn, and you get so intimidated by certain people, forgetting that they too have moments of self-doubt and imposter syndrome where they're like, how the fuck did I get here? Like, why are people listening to me? Who's going to read my book? Or who's, what do I deserve to be speaking on this stage for? I think I once thought I would get to a point where I'd achieved enough things or done it enough times that I'd just be super confident. But I, th- I don't think confidence is not having that feeling. I think confidence is having that feeling and knowing what to do with it. You never want it to go away because it actually shows you that you're not getting complacent. It shows you that you're stepping out of the comfort zone. If I jumped on a podcast and wasn't a little bit nervous, I'd be like, dude, why are you so comfortable? Do you not care? Are you not invested in trying to do a good job at this? So it's not about ever expecting that self-doubt to go away. Those negative thoughts can be good for you in, in, uh, in a humility, learn, constantly learning way, yeah. but it's just not accepting them as true. Just learning that it's a reflex, just like banging your elbow and your arm moves. It's meant to happen to show you that you're doing something out of the, you know, out of your comfort zone, but it's not true. And you just push it away and you go, okay, thanks. Great. I'm learning. Awesome. And I don't believe that you think I'm unworthy to be here. And it's a, you know, something you can practice rewiring your brain to observe rather than to believe. And don't worry if you still get that because everyone does. Everyone. Gary Vaynerchuk came on the podcast. He's the most prolific creator and the most successful person and investor in everything. Venmo, Uber, Twitter, like so successful. He still gets nervous before he talks all the time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well then I don't, I won't hold myself to that standard of one day just arriving at confidence. Yeah. It's something you work on. That's a very, very good insight. I think, yeah, that relationship you have with that feeling is so crucial. And, you know, I don't know a lot of people talk about this, but it's that old adage of like, fear is just excitement without the breath. You know, it sounds like a platitude, a cliche, 
but yeah, like it's fucking true. And part of my language, I just get too excited. I just start um, dropping f bombs all over the shop here. But <laughs> <laughs> I've already uh, dropped a few, so it's yeah, fine. There you go. What's the problem with it? Um, it's fucking great, man. Yeah, it's yeah. So fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just feel like guess my like nervous is nothing about. But uh, <laughs> that, that idea, I think, is really powerful, right? And like you said, Sarah, uh, like what's the alternative? It's complacency. If without that level of some sort of doubt or some sort of fear you just don't have the activation energy to do shit like you just sit Mm. there and you're like default like again you can trace this back to ancestry like there's this human drive to like want to conserve calories and not put yourself at risk and you know it's a whole other conversation as to around you know the biology of why that is but that's just the lay of the land and how we're all wired so trying to stop that entirely not only is it not possible it's actually not that helpful if you want mm. to go on and do things and enjoy life and what have you. So, yeah, I like the way you frame that to be able to just change the relationship you have with that feeling. I reckon that is the difference. And knowing that someone like Gary Vaynerchuk is also experiencing some level of fear, nervousness, doubt. I mean, I mean, come on, like he's probably like <laughs> a confident person on stage. I've seen him live a few times, you know, always tuning into his content. So to know that, um, you know, you can feel that yet still portray yourself and still deliver with, you know, a sense of authenticity and confidence and also just perform and, and accomplish so much if you want to, knowing that's possible, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, totally. And I think the last thing I would add is that you do expect yourself to develop that ability to have a better relationship with self-doubt straight away, but sometimes you're so wrapped up in your own brain that you're never going to get there by yourself. And so, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, like having the right people around you is so crucial because if you've got people around you who are risk averse and not really on board with what you're doing, they're probably going to reflect that in their advice. And then you're going to reflect that in your belief about that feeling. Whereas if you have people who are going to, you know, you phone a friend and they're like, mate, what are you even talking about? You're amazing. You've done this a million times. Like, you will reflect back what your network is telling you about yourself. And if you need a boost of confidence, you need people around you who are going to do that for you, who believe in where you're going, maybe who have even done it before so that you have a living example that they did it and they're surviving to tell the tale. You know, I feel like you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And when you can't rely on yourself and you're going to turn to them, you need to make sure they're the right people to get you where you want to go. Yeah, so powerful. How can people connect more with you, Sarah? Where do we find you? Oh, I live on the internet, so you can find me <laughs> on the internet. Um, all of the the podcasts, the businesses, everything is uh, all linked to Spoonful of Sarah on Instagram. That's probably the hub, the home of happy. So you can find me there. Awesome. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much uh, for carving out the time. This was so fun, so, so insightful. Um, you know, even just myself, I just... I feel like I've learned heaps and just feel more like energetically aligned. I don't know what the terminology is. But I just feel fucking better from chatting with you <laughs> and, you know, ready to go and attack my day. I go and accomplish, but also do it with a level of like, you know, I'm enjoy- I'm going to enjoy this process and I'm going to listen to the latest Rust track that just dropped three days ago and I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to experience and be so present and love that whole moment. And uh, hopefully people listening can take their version of that and just feel really good about that as well. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I feel exactly the same way. You have excellent questions and amazing insights and I'm like buzzing with ideas. I'm going to go back and listen to every other episode. (laughs) Amazing. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the support you guys are showing to this platform. 
If you got some value from this episode, if you enjoyed it, please do share it on your socials with friends and family. Really helps grow the channel uh, and the mission and everything we're trying to do here with Braintainment. So spread the love. I would be forever grateful. And of course, if you got some real insights from this episode, hit me up, find me on social, shoot me a message. I'd love to engage and have a chat with you guys. So that's it for now. Until the next episode, thanks again.